is never the underdog. Yes, sir. He's never the underdog. Yes, sir. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith. You're joined by my co-hosts, Shu and Raul. Coming back at you today with part two of our championship series. So we talked a little bit last time about 91 and 92. Today, we're going to just focus solely on 01. Um, one of my personal favorite teams, probably one of the first Duke teams that I really kind of got like invested in. Um, I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade around that time. So Shu kind of did our background, did a little bit of research, pulled some questions for us. So he's going to kind of lead this. So uh, without further ado, Shu, I'll drop it off to you and you can get us started. So, yeah, like you and I'm sure Raul, one is one of my favorite title runs we had. I was in high school. um, So, you know, at the age where you're definitely if you're from North Carolina, you're talking smack to a lot of the Carolina fans because they've been giving it to us for a while. So, you know, I don't think you can tell the story of 01 without going back to the championship game loss to UConn in 99, just a heartbreaking loss. That team was, you know, we've talked about it at nauseum. They're just such a juggernaut. I think, Raul, you pulled up the uh, Ken Palm efficiency the other day. It was something absurd, right? Yeah, 43. So the highest other team I could find was like 37. So the gap there is massive, right? That's like, you know, a six-point efficiency margin. That's like the difference between a great team and an average team. That's how... Right big the gap was between Duke and UConn. Yeah. And we were nine and a half point favorites that game. Um, so they also led the, like, led the nation in scoring at points per game. I don't know. Is that the only time that we've done that? I don't know. I have to go back and look, but hmm. I think we're almost, we're right at almost 92 points a game, which is just absurd in 99. Yeah. Well, 2001 so, has to be close too, right? It was yeah, 90, it's at like 90. 91. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, losing that game to UConn and look, UConn was, uh, I think they were 34 Four and two coming in that, or thirty-three and two coming in that game, and we were thirty-seven and one. Um, you know that so, that sole loss to uh, Kenyon Martin's Bearcats up in the Great Alaskan Shootout early in the season. I think we reeled off like thirty-two straight wins. So just <laughs> breezing through everything, right? You get to the championship game, and UConn they were good. Look in hindsight, Rip Hamilton obviously phenomenal NBA career. Uh, Khalid Elmine, their point guard was great. They had Jake Voskel, um, played in the NBA as well. So they weren't a slouch of a team, but it's just really tough to have, to have lost that one. So following that year, you know, Coach K knows Elton Brand's probably heading off to the NBA as a sophomore, leaving early. We really haven't seen that, I don't think, at all at that point. Um, but he was kind of caught off guard by William Avery and Corey Maggetti, uh, also sophomores and freshmen, leaving early. Um, and he talks about in his book, uh, Five Point Play, about how he was kind of disengaged for a while. Like it really, he lost sleep over it. Like it knocked him back. He couldn't believe something like this would happen it, or not that he couldn't believe, but hadn't happened to him yet. Right. He didn't know how to deal with it. That I think the story starts there. Shane, uh, Chris Carwell, Nate James come to tell coach K like, we've got this. We're still do. We're still going to be there in the end. So um, fast forward to 2001. Um, you've got a sophomore, Jason Williams. You've got a senior and Shane Battier. And those two guys were incredible throughout the entire NCAA tournament. Uh, Dunleavy had his games. Carlos Boozer come back from an injury, um, had his games. Question I wanted to ask you guys, though, is um, talking about William Avery and Corey Maggetti leaving early. Do you think had that not happened that we still win the 2001 championship? Josh, what do you think? 
Well, I guess it's two parts. If Avery comes back, does he also stay again in 2000, right? Like, does he come back for 2000 and then does he stay again? So we have, what would that have been, junior or senior? He left as a sophomore, so he would have been a senior. So he would have been a yeah. senior? That that would have been interesting because then you have senior and sophomore together versus sophomore and freshman and Duhon. I don't know what it does for Chris Duhon. That's what I'm um, wondering. Yeah. What does it do for Duhon and what does it do in the development of Jay Williams? As right. A does he too? become that alpha guy that's out right. here averaging 22 points a game um, that just has the ultimate green light? I don't know. You know, it's, I kind of believe in the, like the butterfly effect. So I'll probably say no. But then again, if Avery's back, it does. I don't know, man, because then they have that 99 championship loss and that taste in their mouth, right? Like, yeah. to me, it's like, does 99 win if they lose in the championship game in 98? Like, if we compare it to 91-92, right? You get blown out in the title game in 90, 91, you handle business. So, I don't know, man. I'll say no, just because of the butterfly effect and the way the development turns out. But um, it's interesting. I would have loved to have seen Maggetti, though, on that team. That would have been fun. <laughs> Do they maybe win a championship in 2000, though? You know? Um, sure. So you would have Jay Will as a freshman, sure, and he was kind of up and down as a freshman. But you have a, a junior, uh, Avery, and you have uh, Getty, sophomore Getty, right? Yeah. Uh, and you ACC Player of the Year, Sewell. Right. I guess the hole there would be that uh, Boozer would have only been a freshman, so you wouldn't have a kind of great center there but with all that other talent you have a junior battier as well um you know it's not like 2000 was a bad team uh did they lose in the elite eight or was it the sweet 16 i can't remember 2000 yeah, they been, lost to florida in the sweet, the sweet 16, 16 right. yeah yep. i remember that yeah so they yeah, weren't florida, that far yeah. off you know they weren't a bad team so you know maybe if you add mcgetty and avery to that maybe they win a year early uh but but it is a good point about um Jay Will's development, like he got to do, you know, he got pretty free reign as a freshman. And then by sophomore year, he was the man. And if you have a senior Avery there, I'm not sure that he is. Yeah. Now, obviously, they can play in the backcourt together. And let's say Duhan's not there, uh, you know, they, they would definitely both start, but he's not going to get nearly as many shots. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I didn't answer the question, but <laughs> I'd lean towards, I'd lean towards no to just, I also get a little wary of that, like almost excess of talent. Like we yeah. saw that in 2017 where there just weren't defined roles. Cause that was one of the deepest teams we've had in terms of like sheer talent and, you know, injuries kept us back a little bit and lack of point guard play. But I think a huge part of that was just kind of too many mouths to feed and too many people kind of fighting for the ball and too many kind of offensive oriented uh, players. Yeah. So, you know, I could see that being the same problem. But maybe the talent's just so overwhelming that they just win anyway. Well, overall, the 2001 team finished 35 and four. They had a uh, one non-conference loss that was to number three Stanford. It was by one point. I think finished 13 and three in the ACC. We lost to Carolina at home. We lost at number 12 Virginia, and then of course we lost senior night Shane senior night to Maryland that year. You guys will also remember we had the the miracle minute comeback against Maryland and and ended up doing it again. We'll we'll kind of get to that here in a few. But that team, I mean, like we said earlier, they averaged 91 points per game. I think that was number two in the nation. They were the first team to have two first team All-Americans since the 72 UCLA Bruins 
um, when Batty and, and Jason Williams first both had a uh, first team status. So that team was pretty good from start to finish. And it was a, a definitely a fun year, you know, watching them. Boozer getting hurt, you know, kind of changed the dynamics. And we started just running and gunning, shooting threes. I don't know if you guys remember a lot of those games, but when I was watching back, those guys played like at a breakneck pace, but were kind of wild at times, like would jump and leave their feet and make a pass, like right before they hit the ground, it usually resulted in a turnover. Like Jay Will would have 34 points, but nine turnovers. You know, that's the kind mm-hmm. of free reign, like you were saying, role that, that we let, let him have. Yeah, there was a Carolina game I watched, one of our wins, where I think he's uh, six of 17 in the first half alone. Taking 17 first half shots is wild. I think like nine of them were from three and like six of those had to be contested too. He's just coming around screens, you know, at a full sprint, jacking up a 25 foot shot. I mean, you know, it was Kay wanted him to play that way, but there are some definitely questionable shot selection. I think what the difference too, though, is that like during those times, like we talked about with Hurley and then you're talking about it again with Jay will and that team playing like that, like, I think I tend to think of like us playing like that now, but I think we lived with it a little bit better back then because we were also trying out the number one defense and the number two defense, which definitely helps, right? You're allowed to play that way if you're going to have a top two, three defense, which is foreign to us now. Yeah. So if you're going to have like 80 possessions, if you're going to have like 80 possessions, each individual possession is worth a little bit less and you can get away with a few more mistakes. Yeah. Sorry, Shu. Go ahead. That, Especially that's exa- that amount of threes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was going to say, too, is we were just push the ball up court, shoot threes, rebound. But our defense was like trapping, suffocating man to man. I mean, um, forcing a lot of turnovers, getting out in transition. Um, like I mentioned, I hit on earlier, Boozer got hurt in the Maryland game in February and didn't come back until, you know, the, the NCAA turned the second weekend of the tournament. So during that time, you know, Co- Coach K kind of flipped the philosophy and just told him, like, look, we're just going to bombard teams with threes. Um, I think we broke the record for most threes taken and made in that one season alone. So it's kind of ironic because I don't know if you guys knew this, but when they were petitioning, putting the three-point line into play uh, in the 80s, Coach K was kind of a, a opponent of it. He didn't like it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty much the key to our 2001 title run. Um, so to many, all of our title runs. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, he, he embraced it really early. Um, you know, even with those teams that didn't win the title, maybe not the 86 team as much, but right. starting with kind of Ferry. Um, uh, and, and Ferry, you know, he didn't take a ton, but for like somebody at his position, he did. So it's always been a part of a Duke's DNA, I think. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's interesting that he was an opponent. And then once it happened, he embraced it. Yeah, he's good at doing that. I mean, he's done that throughout his career, you know. Just well, and even last night, or not last night, but last pod, we were talking about um, what, like Hurley in '91 or '92, led the team at like four and a half attempts per game or something like that, right? Just fast forward to '01, and we have two guys shooting eight a game, both yeah. over forty-two percent. Like that is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think as a team, we hit like three hundred ninety-threes that year and shot over forty percent. Um, as a team, that's pretty incredible. Uh, definitely, you know, something I'd like to recreate year in and year out for sure. Yeah, just check. So 39% on almost 1,100 attempts is 
beautiful basketball, right? <laughs> like that's good. If you've been watching NBA the last five years, that's like peak Golden State form right there. <laughs> yeah. So getting back to the the title run, one other thing I thought was interesting is we took the same exact path as we did in 1992. So we played our first round in Greensboro, second round in, or second weekend in Philadelphia, and then the final four uh, ended in Minneapolis. Um, just like it had in ni- 1992, of course, like we spoke about in Philly, beating Kentucky with the shot to get to Minneapolis and, and ultimately cutting down the net. So um, started out in Greensboro, start out with Monmouth, you know, one versus 16. The only thing really interesting about that game, for some reason, the Monmouth fans, they were chanting overrated at us. And Jay Will immediately came out and scored like 19 points, like pretty much <laughs> out of the gate. Um, so the starters got to rest. I think we won by like 40 something points. No, you know, <clears throat> March on second round game. The thing that was interesting, and I couldn't even remember this. Um, we played Missouri, who was coached by Quinn Snyder. Quinn had actually just left the Duke staff. I think he was on staff when we recruited uh Battier's class. So um, you know, seeing his team in the second round with Kareem Rush and they actually were the only team to hit more threes than us in the tournament in, in a mm. single game against each other. Pretty back and forth game. I think it got to one point there in the second half, got really tight, but we ended up ultimately pulling away and winning by double digits. Uh, just a you know thing for you guys. If you didn't know, we won every game by double digits that year. I think we were one of how many teams did you say the other day rule? Like four teams that's done it. Yeah, I thought Josh had this. Of the stat. Yeah, um, I need to look up and see just right quick. Um, sorry to throw that on you. I thought Bro had talked about and, it. I know. No, yeah. no, we were the second in 01, but I know Carolina in 2009. Right. Also and, then, did and, it. and then Nova in 18. That's what I you said. I think Nova in 18. I'll have and to double there's check There's one that now. more, but, you know, one more before Duke, but it doesn't yeah, really somebody matter. did it before Duke. Yep. Okay. Right, maybe one of those UCLA teams or something. I don't Probably, know. Probably. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really hard to do, obviously, right? Um, yeah, Nova did do it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, you know, fast forward next weekend, we go to Philadelphia, we play UCLA. UCLA, in hindsight, you look back, they had Earl Watson, uh, Dan Gadzurek, Jason Capono, Matt Barnes. I mean, that's four, you know, decent NBA guys. Um, and to see that in the Sweet 16, and and we didn't play that great. We kind of had a, a sluggish game with them, but ended up again, as we always do, kind of pulling away, winning by double digits. Uh, who who were they coached by at the time? Do you know? Um, because that would have been and... Steve Lavin. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yep. I was going to say it's some some big name. Yep, yep, Steve Lavin. Um, because we played Quinn Lavin, uh, and then the next game USC. Uh, Henry Bibby, you might know the name. That's mm-hmm. Mike Bibby's father. Um, also, Henry Bibby was the, I think he was a first team All American with Bill Walton in 72. They were the first guys that did it from one team until uh-huh. Jake Will and Bettier. So, kind of comes back around to them. That's um, a lot of good coaches because uh, Lute Olson, of course, too. And, right. Yeah. 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 And then Gary Williams is a legend, too. So, sure. So, um, the USC game, watching that back, uh, I was reminded of one of Josh's favorite NBA players, the White Mamba. Brian Scalabrini uh, was probably their, I won't say he's their star, but they had two big guys that could they could step out and shoot. Um, but again, another game that we kind of just pulled away. I think uh, Duhon hit some threes, kind of clutch threes to to put the game out of out of the way for them. So fast forward now, 
the national semifinals against Maryland. You know, what a game, I guess, if you guys remember that one. It wasn't pretty for us very early on. Uh, down 22 with about six minutes left in the first half. Um, of course, we come back to win that game. So I wanted to ask you guys, which comeback do you think was a bigger comeback? The miracle minute down 10 in a minute or down 22 with six minutes to go in the first half in the final four? Row? I think I'm going to have to go with final four just because of the context. You know, just, you know, a trip to the championship on the line means more than, you know, I know that Maryland was kind of our second biggest rival at the time, but it still means more than a random ACC road game. I guess that you could argue that 10 points in a minute is a lot more impressive just as a feat than 22 points over 30 minutes or whatever it was. So I guess we actually, it was like a 33 point swing, wasn't it? Because we won, yeah, by, like we won 11, by 11. Right. Yep. Yep. But yeah, just given the context, I got to go with that one. Um, Josh? Yeah, I think I would kind of lean towards the final four one just because it was such a drastic, but 10 points in 58 seconds is pretty, pretty wild. In Coalfield House. In, yeah, that's yeah. Remember one. how rowdy that place right. used to get when we came to town. Had we won in regulation, I would choose that one, right? Okay. Like if it wouldn't have like just tied it to go to OT. Sure. Um, so I'll go with this one. I think another one that doesn't get talked about just because of the team that it was, but the 2012 squad that was that was down 20 to NC State with like 10 seconds, or not just like, like 10 minutes left in the second half. Yeah. That's pretty impressive too, right? Because yeah. that's 20 points in 10 minutes in the second half. That was at home though. So That was at home, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously, Louisville, Louisville, yeah. Was that what you were about to say? Yeah. Well, I was going to say the other 2012 game, the UNC one, um, I mean, that was, we were down about, 12 points, I think, with just a few minutes left. Yeah, like three minutes left. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, twice in one year, those were the the comeback kids. They weren't a very good team, but they had a little bit of fight in them, I guess. Sure. And I thought Maryland, I sure, maybe it was just because of the way that season played out between these two. But like when I look and see that Maryland finished the season 25 and 11, like that surprises me a little sure. bit. You know, like in my head, I just had them as this because next year they are that, right? Next yeah. year they are the juggernaut. But, um, I guess maybe we just happened to catch them, you know, at a good time there. I mean, they had us up by nine in the earlier game that year. I think it was our largest deficit uh, at a halftime of the season until this halftime. You know, we were down 22 with six minutes to play. I think we cut it to like 11 yep. by halftime. Yep. And then just kind of 20 rolled. and 57, 35 but in the second half. Yeah. That's just wild. Yeah. Well, uh, Steve Blake kind of owned Jay Will for whatever reason. Um, it's like Steve Blake is to Jay Will as Caleb Love is to Jeremy Roach. Ouch. Too soon. Yeah. yeah. Too soon. Okay. Except obviously neither Love nor Roach are nearly as good. But, you know, if you take it down a level. Um, right. Yeah. Because Jay Will was awful in both those Maryland games. Well, until the last. Until the last minute. Yeah, no, right. Yeah. Um, he was having a terrible game, and then he turned it around. But with the Final Four game, he didn't turn it around at all, did he? No, Boozer saved us that game. Boozer had a big game. Um, and then Battier, for like night. And, Well, and Battier, yeah. Yeah. You know, Battier wasn't going to let that team, after losing a senior night, but we had beat them in the ACC tournament. We beat them in the semifinals, beat Carolina in the ACC tournament finals that year um, to get our number one seed. But, you know, that was, it was the fourth time we played a team. You know, they say it's hard to beat a team you know, three times in a season. So that was just a, yeah, incredible 
obviously everybody remembers that. I wonder if that's where kind of Gary Williams' sweat, Gary sweat stuff started to come in. Like we just, we've lost a 10 point lead in a minute. Now we've lost a 22 point lead and, you know, over a half. So there's no, no safe leads with these guys. Mm-mm. He was Izzo before there was Izzo, right? When it comes to K. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the fact that we went three and one against them and mm-hmm. we technically could have gone one and three. Yeah. You know, that has, that has to burn them. And that's why they still hate us years later. Um, speaking of things that did start then though, I think that's when the Duke gets all the calls really started 2001 with that Maryland game specifically. Uh, you watched them recently. Uh, I'm sure you heard Billy Packer like talking about it. Like uh, in the championship game, he's like, he does the whole, people are saying, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying, but people are saying, sure. you know, yeah. the, the refereeing has been very uneven. I mean, look, they mm. played a helter skelter pace and that, you know, the refs, it's almost like we've talked about, they can't call every foul, right? So just get out there and, and you know, play them hard man to man, trap them make them cough up the ball and you just keep launching threes and keep attacking. I mean, that, that team was kind of relentless from everywhere. Um, you know, Dunleavy, they were a lot of penetration and kickouts, Dunleavy, Nate James camped in the corner for threes. Um, you know, Duhan was kind of reluctant to shoot, but would. And then you had Boozer, of course, you know, when, once he was back in the game was just a, a beast down in the post. So uh, Battier kind of doing a little bit of everything inside and out. And then Jay will just running amok from everywhere. Um, did I mention he had 19 points in a row in the UCLA game? Did I? Yeah, I think we skipped over that. that. I meant to talk about that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So because I felt I, like he had 40 in a row. <laughs> he was just torching them. Yeah. I mean, and, and he was on just a, a scoring tear for this whole tournament. I think, you know, the Monmouth game, I, I forgot what he finished was something 19 points, let's say 16, 19. It was, but, you know, the next games were like 28, 34, 31. I think he was the first Duke player to have back-to-back 30-plus point games since Jeff Mullins did, had done it. So little nugget there for some of you young cats. Look yeah. up Jeff Mullins, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ironically, he wasn't great in the championship game, though. I think he was had a lot of foul trouble, too. But. He did. He picked up too early. So, you know, segue into the championship game. We're playing Arizona. Lou Olson obviously had just won a national championship, uh, what, three years earlier? Four, 97? Four years, yeah. Yeah. You know, that team, Richard Jefferson, Gilbert Arenas, not a guy that I'm a big fan of. For some reason, Gilbert Arenas had said, you know, a couple of years later when he was in the NBA that, and Duke was becoming this big thing. He was like, oh, I would smash Duke if I played. I'm like, dude, you did play us and you had like nine points. I don't know if you, and you remember. And you shot the ball 17 times. So, you know. <laughs> remember that. But uh, a team was loaded, though. Yeah, yeah. Richard Jefferson. Luke Walton on that team, Luke too. Walton, Laura yeah. Woods, if you remember him. Seven footer from, you know, played at Wake Forest. Uh, I think he had came into that game. He had had 20 blocks through what, five games. So, um, and he was crushing us in that game. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> and then for some reason, they kind of, it's kind of, uh, you know, like somebody else I remember, we just forgot about the best player on the team, Zion. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. And Battier was guarding him too. So it's like, you know, Battier was giving up four to- inches to him. Now the I think the the biggest thing from that game was the second half by Dunleavy. I think he had like nineteen or twenty points. He was actually at one point in the second half he was maybe a point or two up on the entire Arizona team himself. He had like eighteen points to so their seventeen. 
Still the best sequence in Duke basketball. I mean, when he gets the three straight threes, because within that, and one of them is like Battier's ridiculous block and save where he kicks it back, and then they scramble around, and Jay Will finds Dunleavy again, and he does the fake swing pass, you know. So the fake swing passes later on, but this one, he hits a three, come down, like you said, Battier, and that one was a a foul. People are saying, you know, he got a little little hand in it. He had a little, but you know, it was a good up top block, uh, keeps it in. We scramble all the way down court. I think it's, it might be Duhon who hits it, uh, to Dunleavy, nails his third one in a row. And, and by that point, we're kind of, I think we were up like 11, starting to really kind of spread things out on them. So, um, they made a little push and then, you know, got it back again to, I think, will we win by 11? Total 12, 10, 10, 82, 72. 82, 72. Yep. So, yeah, I was scored them by 12 in the second half, but I think, or something like that, or nine or 10 in the second half, or something like that. Yeah, I don't think they led. Um, like once uh, Dunleavy hit those threes, I don't think they led again. I think they cut it to like three points a couple times, but that was kind of the difference maker for sure. I think that the, speaking of foul calls, I think that the one, or no calls, I think the one that people were really pissed about, was it in the Arizona game or was it Maryland where Jay Will Will. basically goes over somebody's back? He basically like... He had two fouls. It was about nine minutes to go and kind of running at the ball. And, and, you know, when you run into somebody, but you try to hold yourself back, Mm -hmm. I mean, he ran over them. They didn't call it. You know, he he got lucky there for sure. but you know, so it goes. That's sometimes we've talked about it a million times. You got to be good, but you also got to have some luck to win. For sure. Well, one thing I did want to ask you guys about, and I didn't give you a heads up on this, but with all this conference realignment stuff, you know, Maryland was a big rival for us back in the day, and then they kind of sold their soul, for better or worse, you know, um, to go to the Big Ten. Do you? Is was that that wasn't obviously a good move for them? Do you think? I mean, what have they done since then? What is it? What has Maryland been? Yeah, nothing really. Right, they had a few good years under Turgeon there, where they were like kind of pretty decent. They had the what was it a few years back? I remember the just because the name Diamond Stone was on the team, right? I think they like were pretty decent, um, pretty good actually. They had another guard. I forget his yeah, name. He's a big yeah, guard, but. Um, highly recruited coming out. I don't know if he really panned, but Rashid Suleiman. <laughs> oh, Zinger. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, man. I don't. Maybe now, if the ACC ends up getting kind of obliterated, it'll look good because they're in a power conference that might stick. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Big Ten's going to be playing the long, too, the long con for them, huh? Okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. It, it, I think it was a mistake for sure. I mean, like they might have ended up in irrelevance either way because the main thing that changed besides their conference was Gary Williams retiring, and he retired pretty young too. But they haven't really done much of anything since he left. So I don't know that it was changing conferences that was the big uh, difference as much as not having that kind of elite-level coaching. But yeah, like you say, if the ACC disbands and Duke is just kind of stranded somewhere, then maybe Maryland ends up looking smart. I don't know. Mellow Trimble, that was your guy you were thinking yeah, of. That's yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yep. Who played with Rashid Suleiman and Jake Lehman, one of your other favorite guys. Yeah, oh, there you go. Well, to pull us back in, I guess 
what do you guys, what if when I say 2001, kind of like we said last, last podcast, when I say 2001 Duke team, um, what do you think of Josh? Without dropping an F-bomb, Shane Battier, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just like probably to me, it's, it's Grant and then it's Shane. And it really like, you know, I, I love just that player type too, you know, like when I think of Grant and Shane and Singler and just all those kind of guys that could just were so versatile. Um, you know, Jay Will was was the electricity, but like, you know, Shane's Mr. Basketball, right? Like he's just this super consistent guy. Um, he might is he the all time winningest player at Duke? Should have been. I know he was at that time. Should be still. I mean, you look at yeah. '99. You look at you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be up there. Um, there were more so, game. There were more games at that point there, than there, there were, were more games. Leitners, so yeah. Um, you know, Leitner would be the other option, I would think. But uh, yeah. But even like we were saying, those '90 teams was a three seed. '91 was seven mm-hmm. lost teams. I mean, Shane. You know, he might have got close to double digits, but probably not two. Let's see, four, six. Okay, so Shane probably lost. I think Shane lost fourteen games, fifteen yeah. games in yeah. four years. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Cole Anthony lost more than that in one season. <laughs> oh, yeah, and had a few to spare. <laughs> <laughs> had some holdovers. I'd like to see Shane's conference record too, because like his first two years there, they went uh, sixteen and zero and fifteen and one. And I don't know what they went in the conference in uh, two thousand, but it's probably pretty good. And then two thousand one lost, lost five games in four years in conference. Right. That's crazy. Absurd, right? Like, we lost that basically this year. Like, it's crazy. Right. And I'm sure most of those were to UNC. Um, probably a, a couple Maryland losses in there. That's about yep. it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, not a lot. Um, well, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Shane won Final Four uh, Most Valuable Player, right? Or MOP or whatever they called it. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Like you were saying, Jay Will wasn't that great in the final four. Yeah. So those are the only two options I could think of. Yeah. And Shane, Shane had 25, yeah, 25, 27, something like that. So, yeah. yeah. And then his defense too was like sure. uh, in the second half versus Maryland there and then just all game versus Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, so what about that, you guys? So I said Shane. So what, what, what about for y'all? Yeah, bro. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll go. Um, so I was in college at the time and my roommate, he was a Duke fan on some level because he'd lived in Durham most of his life, but he originally grew up in uh, in in the D.C. area. So he was like this weird, I, I root for Maryland first and foremost, but if Duke and Maryland aren't playing, I root for Duke. Mm. And then one of our best friends was from D.C. and was a huge Maryland fan. So I watched that Final Four game with those two guys. And, you know, of course, they're talking a lot of, you know, smack like early in the game. Well, my, my roommate isn't as much because, you know, again, he's kind of divided. But this other guy, you know, he's a big trash talker, you know, so we're sitting on the couch there and we're down like 22 and I've basically given up on the game. You know, you know, when you kind of just sink in that pit of despair and you're like, all right. And then it moves into acceptance and you're just like, OK, the year's done. Moving Going on. through the stages. Yeah. Yeah. yeah grief all the way to acceptance all that um but (laughs) then slowly slowly we're coming back and i'm like oh this is going to happen and then we end up winning pretty easily and our friend is furious at this point 
in my living room, there's a like a plastic slide, like a children's slide that I've just brought in from like near the dumpster because I lived in an apartment complex. <laughs> um, and I just thought it would be funny to have it in the house. I just saw it out there and I just brought it in one night, like drunk or something. And so he just, you know, he's like looking around for something to smash. And then he kind of like looks at me and looks at that. I'm like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> and then so he just takes this slide outside and he just smashing the hell out of it. Right. Just, you know, just over and over again until it's just pieces all over the ground outside. So that's what I really remember is Mike Easby smashing the hell out of this slide. Um, <laughs> And me just kind of sitting in smug silence. Cause you know, at that point you don't want to like, you're not trying to rub salt in the wound. You're like, we won. I'm going to be the, you know, the good sport here. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said earlier, I was in high school. That was definitely in the trash talking range. You know, I wasn't going to school in 93 or 92 and, and mm-hmm. talking smack to third graders. But as a junior in high school, you know, I walk in the next day, my Trajan Lingdon jersey on, Duke tearaway pants, looking for a couple of you guys who you know through my Facebook page, big Carolina fans, um, just to, to I will throw salt in the wound. I am going to let you know. You know <laughs> that was a huge one for us because, you know, we won the back-to-backs 91-92. Now we've got two national titles, so does Carolina, but then they win 93. So now that's their mm-hmm. talking point as a kid, you know, their biggest thing is, oh, we have more national titles and we have, look at what we do in the NBA. And it's funny how that's kind of flipped around. But, you know, by by 2001, now we've got three to their three. Obviously, let one slip away in 04, and then they get 05 and 09. And it kind of, you know, yeah. as, as we will get into with the next one, 2010 and 15. But, yeah, that's what I remember just coming to school, just decked out in Duke gear, ready to just rub it in people's face. I, I was that guy. So, and so we mentioned yesterday to, um, like, you know, talking about 92 and how we remember them and like, are they the greatest Duke team? And we talked a lot about like 99 and, you know, going through this and like reliving it a little bit, it's like maybe a one should get some more love just for just dominating the tournament. Right. Cause that's what matters. And so you win yeah. every game by 10 points and, you know, obviously one of the greatest Duke players of all time and Shane and another one in Jay will right there with him. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they should get some more love. So there's all, uh, you know, nowadays some younger fans might not know, but I kind of want to ask you guys opinion. We we've had talks about the greatest recruiting class ever. Obviously there's a lot of talk about the 82 class, the co- the class that saved coach K and then you've got the Zion and RJ cam class. What, what would you guys say is our best recruiting class? I kind of wanted to ask about this. Hmm. Let me let me just go first and I'll tell you why, okay, why I yeah, think this. Yeah. Um Battier's class. Battier brand, right? Have we ever had a class that produced two national players of the year? Mm. One class, two national players of the year. Won a national championship. The other one was one of the greatest basketball teams to never win a national championship. I mean, that class also had Burgess and uh, who am I forgetting? Avery Brand, Burgess, Avery. Avery. Yeah. 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 So that's, yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I Burgess, think Burgess was the number one player, wasn't he? Yeah. And he was good. Bro, he just at a time, yeah. For a time. Nate James also in that class, I think, or maybe he was a red shirt. So he might I think have been he was a the red class shirt, yeah. before. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the closest I can come up with would be, um, 
J.J. Redick and Sheldon Williams, but yeah. Sheldon never won National Player of the Year. He won National Defensive Player of the Year, and J.J. won National Player of the Year. But that's the best Twice, I could do. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, those two together is pretty impressive. But on the other hand, that class doesn't have the depth that uh, that the Battier class had. I don't know. You can make an argument for a J. Will's class as well, though. Um, you know, J. Will, Dunleavy, Boozer is a pretty amazing trio. You know, they win a title, so that has to count for something too. Yeah, Shavik Randolph also in that class, right? Right. Like that's yeah. a, and he was really highly touted coming out of high school. People don't really remember that. Sean Dockery, Lee Melchioni. Um, that was a loaded class, man. That was a big time class. That's the um, thing with these loaded classes though like inevitably at least one player doesn't pan out you know if not two and then you end up with a couple transfers you end up with somebody underwhelming so if you can get like three productive players out of a class that's impressive it's like look at the zion class we mentioned zion and rj were both elite but cam was supposed to be just as good as them and was nowhere near that yeah. Yeah. Cause I think RJ actually won one of the player of the year awards. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was the major one, but he won one of them and Zion won a ton. So that's two in the same year and the same sure. class, yeah. so you, depending on how you kind of break that apart. Um, obviously, and that is a three time defender, national defensive yeah. player of the year, too, on top of being yeah one of um, the national player of the year. I don't remember which one because I think Jay will won. A lot of the one won the ones. NABC and one won the other yeah, one. I mean, there's, um, yeah, I'm not sure. and then Should Jay we Will give, won it again the next year. Are we going to give our own award this year for National Player of the Year? Just start our own too. Huh, might as well. Right? <laughs> there's like twelve of them at this point, but I like that because yeah. yeah, there's Ken Palm Player of the Year and stuff too. That's yeah. like purely based on like analytics. So yeah, we should so start one for sure. You went with JJ's class, right, Raul? No, I went with. Uh, I went with. Sorry, the Boozer J. Will class. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, that class. And then where'd you go, Shu? Batty Brown. Battier. Okay, so nobody's mentioned, I guess, the the class that saved K. I mean, that's kind I of a cliche it, answer yeah. a little bit, right? So, um, I don't know, man. You going with the Eric Botang class? class? <laughs> no, I'm really just, it's a little bit nostalgic for me, I guess. But you know what? I'm going to say it was the, oh, see, that would have been our 06 class. So that would have been Gerald Henderson, John Shire, Shire. Lance Thomas, Lance. Brian Zubek. That's probably my favorite class. Um, I don't know if it's our best, but they won a title, right? And Gerald was a great pro force there for a long time in Charlotte. So um, I'll, I'll roll with that class. But yeah, I mean, I guess if uh, if we don't have anything else, I think that pretty much tells the tale. At least, I mean, you know, for for the most part, there of a one, um, definitely one of my favorite teams for sure. You know, so much fun to watch. Um, really remind here in the last, and I'll kind of get off my soapbox and we'll get out of here after this. But the last few years, just the product has just not been good for me in college basketball. And then like going back and watching us play at this at this pace um scoring kind of like nba type numbers was just so much fun to watch it was reckless it was you know frenetic um but it was fun to watch and it also reminds me too that our defense is still the same as it was then and it just goes to show you that you can't play like that really anymore right like we were still kind of flying all over the place it was just this like constant kind of rotating mess and you just can't really do that anymore you know you can't it's the ball screen. It's the ball screen, man. Um, yeah. I know they were already ball screens were more prevalent in 2001 than they were in uh, 91 and 92. This is something I meant to mention on the last pod and didn't, but 
there were almost no on-ball screens in the early 90s. You see some off-ball screens for sure, yeah. like a, mm-hmm. kind of those post pin downs for somebody to run around. But um, but yeah, almost no on-ball screens. And by 2001, you're getting a fair amount, but it's nothing like it is now. You know, the high ball screen is like the primary action in basketball now. So playing that kind of overplay defense like we do and having the big come out 30 feet all the time. Um, you know, and I don't mean to make it sound all monolithic like that. We don't always do that. Like we sometimes do a little bit of a drop, but right. still it's what's been killing us is the inability to navigate ball screens. You know, even when we have a great defensive big like Mark, it's a challenge for us. Yeah. Yeah. Shouts out to shout out to O one um and the the innovation and all the the different stuff that we did. I was looking back on Ken Palm too, and I hate that it starts at O two. Yeah. I really would like to see some of the some of the some stats events. there from from O one. Well, yeah, you, you some can, of the events. So. Like I mentioned, you can pull up. Uh, it's like more of a chart in the premium thing. It's under D one Universe. Duke is far and away at the top, and it looks like it looks like it's probably uh, 36, 37 adjusted efficiency. So yeah, definitely fits the definition of juggernaut by Ken Palm standards. Yeah. yeah. So it's good to, you know, I wish we could have got it done in 02 as well, but you know, I thought that was another, I thought that was kind of destined, you know, 91, 92, 01, 02. That would have been really cool. Um, that team was amazing too. Yeah. Didn't have Shane, man. Shane, Shane don't lose it for Shane don't lose that sweet 16 game. Uh, Shane. Shane at least probably gets the rebound too there. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. A little shade there. A little shade there. We still love you, booze. Because Jay Will's still going to miss the free throw yeah, regardless. Right. He's on the team, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Jay Will's like the only guy who could have made that three in that situation. But and then, then he's also the guy, guy who would have <laughs> missed the free throw, right? Yeah. I don't want to pick on Jay Will, but man, <laughs> free throws sometimes like just don't get it. Yeah. He's <laughs> just so with good it, right? off, you, off the dribble, like pulling up. Like, like you said, he hits a turnaround three pointer, like, okay, make the free throw. It's one thing when it's like RJ or Keels and they're shooting like 30% from three. You're like, okay, that makes sense that you're a 65% free throw shooter. But when it's Jay Will and he's shooting like 43% and he's taking like nine threes a game and he's taking them off the dribble, you're like, how can you not hit a 15-foot shot standing still? Yeah, pressure too. Yeah, he needed the dude in his face, you know, needed somebody to guard him or something. Yeah, but... uh, yeah, so unfortunately, since we didn't do that no two, we only have the one team to talk about this week. But uh, so next or next time we'll come in with part three and we'll actually cover 2010 and 2015. Kind of broke these up by decades, um, so that'll be interesting because those teams kind of contrast really, really weirdly mm-hmm. together. Um, kind of the the last great old Duke team and then the the first really great young Duke team. So um, looking forward to that one and we'll we'll check that out. But uh, in the meantime, you know, kind of stay cool out there if you can. This heat index is absurd at where I'm at. It's just ridiculous. So stay hydrated and uh, keep the keep the faces strong and the verb high. Go do. Mm-hmm.